0: Yes, hello and welcome to another edition of the ProcureTech Podcast, where every episode would bring you everything that is fun, exciting, innovative, and definitely not boring in the digital procurement landscape. And continuing with our series talking to industry thought leaders and experts, my guest today on the show is a real stalwart in this space and has had her own website and blog since... 2009, and she's seen many changes in her career, both as a procurement practitioner, a uh, consultant with a procurement tech company back in the day, and now as an independent blogger, podcaster, and also a so, uh, and also director of uh, art of procurement. So, uh, Kelly Barner from Buyers Meeting Point, founder of Buyers Meeting Point and uh, director of art of
1: procurement, a very warm welcome to the show. Hi James, thank you so much for having me.
0: It's I'm really excited to talk to you actually because I was back on the Sourcing Hero which I know you host back in January and uh, it was just great being on the other side of the mic with someone that's done so many of these and is such such a great interviewer at teasing out the right answers. So hopefully I can do I can do uh, your background some sort of justice in that sense as well.
1: Oh, and I think we're going to have a fun conversation. That's, that's the most important thing.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. So your career spans a lot of different segments. Let, let's start at the beginning of how you started off in corporate procurement. And then I'd like to talk to you a little bit about how you landed in consulting at Emptoris, which were you know, one of the first procurement suites out there that eventually got acquired by, by IBM. Uh, and then sort of pivoting to, to what you're doing now through Buyer's Meeting Point and also through uh, AOP when we're, when we're looking at talking a bit more about how digital technology is impacting our space and what we're seeing as trends.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think like a lot of people, my entry into procurement was both bumpy and unexpected. Uh, my actual professional background training is in corporate librarianship and market research. So I was working for, uh, at the time, it was Royal Ahold, a global grocery retail and food service company. Uh, I was based at the U.S. headquarters, and we were running a global knowledge management program uh, when, unfortunately, oops, Ahold had sort of an Enron-style accounting scandal. Um, <laughs> and for a company with margins as thin as grocery retail has, in order to adjust, they immediately started laying off everyone non-essential, which definitely included me. I will be totally honest about that. It was probably a good decision, uh, but someone in HR noticed that I had taken advantage of a wonderful program they had, which was a full boat company sponsored MBA tuition reimbursement program. And so I was about two thirds of the way through getting my MBA at Babson College here in the Boston area, uh, which is, we would say locally is wicked expensive. And so if (laughs) they laid me off, there were no terms forcing me to repay that money. And so I would have walked away with everything. And so they said, how do you feel about not for resale sourcing? And I thought about five seconds. and I said, sign me up. I have no idea what it is, but I assume it comes with a paycheck and I can finish off getting my MBA. And actually, I I loved it. You know, I think because I didn't have any idea what I was doing, they put me in location-based hired services in the days before optimization was really a part of sourcing platforms. And I know we're going to talk about tech, so this will come into play there. But today, we all guilt ourselves about using Excel. Back then, there were two games in town. There was Excel, and there was combined net. That'll really take you back if you've been around long enough. Um, they're now. Don't part think I've been of... around that long. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that, James. You are make me feel old. Um, they're officially part of Jagger now through a series of, of different acquisitions. Ah, but okay. uh, but if you had hundreds of store locations where you had to do grease trap cleaning and floor cleaning and window washing and facilities maintenance, it was all done in Excel, and so. I, boy, did I go right from the frying pan into the fire from a a sourcing perspective. Uh, But unfortunately, when the time came that I finished my MBA and I was ready to move from analyst to, to category manager, there weren't any open roles. But we were a customer of Amtourises at the time, and they were just starting up a consulting team. And they approached me and said, what would you think about? Jumping ship and joining us here on the dark side, and I I did that, which I am so thrilled that I spent that time in consulting. It was intense for anybody that's ever consulted. You know, you don't see your family, you don't sleep, you're not sure where you live. Uh, but if you have sort of the disposition for it, there is. No job that is more fun. Um, so that's, that's how I ended up sort of seeing procurement from the other side. Um, and then a few years later, moving on and, and becoming independent at buyer's meeting point. Um, and gradually over time, I think just as many people now know me as a, head of brand partnerships and content at Art of Procurement, as well as more recently becoming an official partner so that I, I own part of the company. But I have been out there and around so long, James, that I can remember technology providers you haven't heard of. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm sure you do. Uh, but I, I'd like to step back and, and, and this is a little bit off piece, but I think it's really relevant, especially potentially with us looking at some economic headwinds or a downturn as we record this. If you've made that step then from being a practitioner or a category manager, which I guess a lot of people might be looking over their shoulders now a little bit concerned about the future, how easy did you find that transition because and the reason I'm asking that is because a lot of procurement tech companies now are recruiting like hell that have got that have got funding and are growing really quickly, and increasingly they're looking to people that have procurement expertise. To, to help with things like product strategy or, or, or at sort of the, the, the lower end, maybe customer success managers, that maybe for folks that are a bit less experienced. But it does seem to be to me to be quite a natural transition to, to people that are willing to give it a go. So what, what was your experience when you did that those years ago?
1: I actually found it to be a very natural transition. The The hardest part, especially if you go into anything customer facing is the expectation around the hours that you will work and the level of availability that you will provide to your clients. I I will tell you that can be a little bit of a shock. There's no such thing as a nine to five when you're in a service role that's that's client facing. Right. But I think what is most natural, and I would actually say for many of these roles, providers should only be hiring former procurement practitioners, is that you understand the realities of what it's like day to day. And so you can be both empathetic and you can be realistic about either changing processes or implementing technology. Otherwise, you have this idea where, you know, if you think about, um, it's, and this is the same for everybody. Any product fact sheet, any glossy case study, any beautiful analyst involved white paper, and you think, oh, well, all I have to do is dot, 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 fill in your particular blank. Oh no, boots on the ground. It's a mess. You've got a pain in the neck, budget owner that won't play ball. You've got people that maybe don't know their category or just plain defy procurement's processes. It's never as simple as it looks, which makes the implementation of technology and the rollout of processes so complicated. So if you can head some of that off at the pass by saying, Yeah, listen, I know what it says in our brochure, but you and I both know what's really going on here. I think there's a ton of value in that, not only for the provider, but also for the company that's actually made this investment and is trying to drive change.
0: That's a ringing endorsement, actually. Then, so as long as people are going in with a realistic expectation of how much free time they're maybe going to get, or you know how how <laughs> like much none. they can structure and plan their day, then yes, you would you you would with that caveat highly recommend it.
1: I I definitely would, and and I think even if. And I didn't because my life's journey took me into an independent role. But I actually think there would be something to be said for working as a practitioner and then spending time at a provider, especially if you get the opportunity to work cross-industry. I think that's a huge opportunity. And then go back and be a practitioner again. You really start to see what are the problems that are everywhere. Things like change management, things like influence without reporting authority, And then you see the things that are truly different. Margins are very different in automotive from retail or pharma, right? Same deal with the progression. You know, do you start with indirect spend and put a centralized procurement process in around that and then move towards direct because you're fighting territorial battles? Or do you start with direct and eventually over time work your way back to indirect? I think getting to experience the way those things happen in different industries and the solutions that work and the techniques that can be applied, I think doing a stint there and then going back to being a practitioner would actually be a very good career move for anybody that's thinking about it.
0: Interesting food for thought for anyone out there that's maybe thinking of a career change or or perhaps is a bit disengaged in the role that they're in right, right now. Yeah, that kind of segues nicely into what I wanted to ask you next. And that was, what area of procurement do you feel that technology will have or, or is having the biggest potential impact? And that could be maybe an, an industry or a category or an area of process. It would be what, both from your time at Mtoris. You know, this is obviously going back to ten plus years, or or with the work that you're doing now at, at AOP. What are you seeing as some of the biggest trends where where the impact is is highest?
1: So, I think it's two things, and one I'll say is a benefit from procurement's perspective, and the other is the benefit for all of the different roles worth of people that we work with. From our perspective, I truly believe it's analytics. We need to be making more flexible decisions in response to changing conditions. And we even need to be proactively sort of rerunning our numbers to make sure that what we have in place continues to make sense as so much changes from a macro perspective in the world around us. So I think the more you can spend time ensuring that you have quality data, ensuring that it's up to date, and then simply experimentally rerunning numbers, I think there's a ton of value there. I think from a buyer, budget owner, and supplier perspective, it really comes down to experience. How easy is it to get what you need, whether that's information or that's a product or a service? Because the easier we can make it, the more likely they are to follow the process that we want them to follow. And that in turn sort of feeds back to what I was talking about from an analytical standpoint, it means that we have a more complete, high quality data set without having to fight people. You know, we used to talk about compliance a lot, and it's still important, but I think it's become sort of an ugly word because usually it means procurement shows up and says, You did the wrong thing or you bought from the wrong place, when in fact, Compliance should be looked at in terms of, does the process that we've created and the technology that we've rolled out ultimately drive people to do the things that we want them to do? We're not enforcing compliance. We should be creating a situation that incentivizes compliance naturally. And so I I think what's happening from a tech perspective, there's an internal and an external component, but they really do at the end of the day have to come together but as long as they do, they greatly expand the value that procurement can potentially create.
0: I, I love that, Kelly. And it's, it's not classic procurement tech per se, but I think you're a great person to ask this. I, I mean, I, I certainly have this opinion that with technology now and technological developments in general, you said about making compliance easy. I think part of the problem is, well, it's two things. Procurement are dreadful at internal communication and marketing And secondly, a lot of the processes and procedures that we have are are full of jargon and, and very difficult to read and nobody knows where to access them. And I think if we look at more generic technology, especially you know, as two content creators speaking to one another, you no longer now need to be a graphic designer or a sound engineer or a videographer to be able to produce good enough content to be able to put out there and have it resonate and get picked up by your audience, whether that be, Something that you're putting out in public, like we do, or or internal procurement policies and procedures and how that's communicated within a business. And you know, I do think a lot of procurement teams are missing a trick there. I mean, do you, do you think that will become more of a an in-demand skill for procurement teams going forward to you know internal communication or almost internal marketing, given how easy the tech has made it these days to produce that type of content?
1: So here's what I'll say: I'm not sure that procurement teams and companies are necessarily going to have the foresight to say, we need this capability in-house. But what I will say is that the individuals and the teams who have it will naturally achieve things that other teams and companies that are working just as hard can't achieve. And I think it it's sort of like the difference between working in-house procurement or sourcing and helping out with procurement and sourcing as an external consultant, you give that additional level of thought to everything that you do. Because if you don't, the engagement may not go well. There's there's a different level of accountability. And I will say that a similar type of distinction exists between someone who's just writing the next internal email, like you write internal emails all day long, versus putting together a blog post, a LinkedIn post, an article, a white paper that you're thinking, I really want other people to choose to read this and to take some other action that I'm trying to encourage. So I think it's a mindset thing that I hope more and more people in procurement decide to to take on. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure that we're at the point yet where companies are going to be saying, okay, we're deliberately pursuing people with written, verbal, video communication skills to join our teams. But people are taking, as always, very funny paths to get into procurement. And I think it could be a serendipitous thing that just happens where you end up with a group of people who have marketing background, content creation background. I mean, James, being a creator wasn't even a It wasn't a term that people referred to even a few years ago. And now many of us are referring to ourselves as as creators. You could just as easily have somebody who did a rotation through the creation universe end up back as a procurement practitioner as you might have somebody who did a stint working at a provider going back to the practitioner side of things. So my sense is it's going to be natural and it will be rewarded. uh, But I don't know that it's something that companies are going to purposefully pursue.
0: Yeah, I think I would concur with that. Uh, I, I, I do think, though, that we'll probably go the way of heads of procurement excellence will perhaps in future have a budget to do something like a series mm-hmm. of internal podcasts or spending a bit of money on on graphic design to do posters around the facility to educate people about procurement processes or or you know, sustainability initiatives for, for that matter. I, I do think it perhaps will go that way. But yeah, I agree. I don't necessarily think it will be a hiring criterion for someone coming into a role. Hey, so just a quick interlude to let you know about procurementsoftware.site. This is a new website that I recently launched to give you, the listener, a free-to-access intuitive guide to digital procurement technology. You can filter on a multitude of different criteria and pick out a short list of procurement software solutions that are relevant to your business and your needs in less time than it takes to boil an egg. No corporate subscriptions, no complex jargon, and definitely no pay-to-play model. We are a completely transparent, open book, and we really want to get your feedback on what we can really do to make this user experience better and constantly improve so as we're providing value to you check out procurementsoftware.site and now let's get right back to this week's podcast so if we look at technology more holistically with all of the other driving forces both push and pull factors that are that are starting to elevate our profession and give it more notice within within the C-suite and within, you know, the wider business community. To what extent do you think technology will be at the forefront versus, you know, some of the things that are forcing procurement and supply chain to have a more prominent role, you know, like things like sustainability and uh, geopolitical disruptions to supply chains?
1: So my opinion on this topic is actually that as technology becomes more integrated, more sophisticated, and frankly, more important. It's actually going to fade into the background from a procurement management standpoint. You know, we've spent so much time in the past, and this didn't matter if it was spend analysis, sourcing, supplier management, contract management, all of it. We would have this technology, and then we would spend a significant portion of our time working in the technology. I think what is more likely to happen is we're going to be freed up finally, hopefully by it, if we are willing to push and take on some of these macro things. And this is where, you know, we've talked about the fact that I host the Sourcing Hero for AOP and UNA. Obviously, I'm a member of the Art of Procurement team and working on that podcast there. But I also, I clearly have a podcast problem. I also host (laughs) Dial P for Procurement on Supply Chain Now. And this ties in because one of the things that I started to notice about six months ago is that rather than thinking of ourselves as procurement professionals who have to keep an eye on sustainability, diversity, regulation, recession, inflation, supply chain disruption, geopolitical instability, we need to think of ourselves as people who follow all of those trends, but at the end of the day, execute through procurement. So what I would have done previously from a creator standpoint is said, okay, what are the different things procurement is talking about? Let's talk about procurement topics. And if there's an overlap, let's understand how consumer price index or inflation rates or something like that comes back and impacts it. I think we need to reverse it. And instead, we need to be following what's happening from a global business news, economic, geopolitical standpoint. And from that overarching perspective, then come back and do our jobs. So that's where you get back into the analytics. That's where we're going to become more proactive. Instead of saying, oh, I have three supplier quarterly business reviews today. I should go see what news stories potentially relate to these. Maybe it's commodity prices, maybe it's labor costs or service availability or a strike. Instead, what we should be doing is following the news, watching the headlines. And then, calling up the relevant suppliers and saying, "Hey, are you watching what's happening in Long Beach, California?" or all right, you know we're you and I recording this in in early August. Nancy Pelosi's headed for Taiwan. What is that going to mean longer term for our chip supply, which is dependent on China? I think it needs to be outside in instead of inside out, which makes our jobs so much more exciting. I'm a news junkie. So from my perspective, this is a great thing. But I think it's going to force us to stop spending so much time in the tech. It's going to force us to want our tech to do more. And it's not going to leave us with this funny feeling of, okay, if the tech takes all this responsibility off my plate, does that make me redundant? Does that make me less value oriented? Does that make me less important? Does that jeopardize my role? It needs to be us pushing back on the technology saying, listen, tech, you have to step up because I have 85 other things and 200 relationships and all of this other stuff I'm trying to get done. I need you to step up and fill the gap versus trying to say, let's first clear our plates and then we'll figure out what other sorts of value-oriented things we can do. I just don't think those are the circumstances that the world has handed us.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a, it's an ongoing and very popular conclusion that a lot of people are coming to in this space, that tech will be the enabler to free up procurement, to do other things. And going back to what you said, if, if procurement teams can do market Intel more proactively with the assistance of technology um, because their time has been freed up to allow them to do that or just because the process of doing it is semi-automated, 100% it allows us to plan and do if this, then that type of scenarios as as part of our, as, as part of our strategic planning and, to, and, uh, and contingency. Absolutely. With the direction that you're going now with with Art of Procurement, to what extent is digital and all of the you know the increasing number of software solutions providers that are coming out there to what extent does that play a role in in your in your overall strategy and, and and business model now going forward compared to for example what you were doing three or four years ago
1: I think it's enormous, and we've just recently started rolling out what is going to be our dominant philosophy for the foreseeable future, which is 10x the impact of procurement. So we've been in a phase of always having incremental improvements, things always getting better, experience improving, things being faster, more convenient, more automated. But what Phil Bidson and I have been talking about is that incremental is no longer enough. We need an enormous change in terms of how things work and what we're capable of. And part of that comes down to uh, we have these six principles that we've outlined. And the very first one is driving business outcomes. And I think, although it sounds obvious, the reason that it's going to be so important and also such a challenge is because it's not driving procurement outcomes. If procurement truly wants to drive business outcomes, We can't just be rolling out digital solutions that allow other people to do stuff and avoid having contact with us. We need to look at our own tech and our own digital access to data and analytics as something that allows us to remain more aligned with the business as a whole. And I think Over time, that's going to prove to be much harder than it sounds on paper. Um, looks great in a graphic, but actually setting out to do that is going to be a huge challenge. And it's going to force us to address some things that I think have been fairly systemic, but we haven't really taken on. And one of them is that, we all like to complain about, oh, we don't have a seat at the table or, you know, why can't I get any respect? Or why are people always doing the wrong thing or trying to avoid meeting with us? We've held ourselves back as much as any obstacle that we've faced has functioned as a roadblock to to our progress. Um, And so if we want to become closer to the business not only do we need to do a better job leveraging the full capabilities of digital, but I think there needs to be more integration between procurement's digital footprint and that of the enterprise as a whole. And that's give and take. So that means us having more access to other systems and being more integrated with other systems. Anybody that has ever come down hard on a supplier only to get a phone call from sales or marketing saying why are you attacking this enormous customer, right, can see the problem between procurement systems, which identify a company as a supplier, and sales CRM identifying that exact same company as a customer being disconnected. We can't think about it that way. And so our systems can't function that way anymore. So there's going to be a period of adjustment. There's going to be mistakes and friction and frustration, But I think ultimately, the extent to which we can meld procurement's digital footprint into the footprint that the rest of the company has and find a way for that to become more truly integrated from a data and also process standpoint, um, that's really where we're headed. It's not about doing away with procurement teams or capabilities it's about making sure that we remain fully aligned and actually getting rid of the silos that we've talked about and complained about and, and been frustrated with, truthfully, for decades. It's, it's not a new challenge, um, but I think hopefully we're finally at the point where we're ready to drive that progress rather than saying, oh, we can't do this for A, B, and C reasons. Um, we need to be the ones to choose to make the changes that will ultimately bring that about.
0: That really resonates with me too. Having, I mean, I've got an example that I can share in that space. That overarching ob- objectives of of the company at both a, at an operations level and at a procurement level were were aligned. But then when you broke them down into what my objectives were and what the manufacturing plant that I was uh, the, that I was the business partner for were, it was like night and day. And I think you know you've got to those objectives have got to be cascaded down, uh, downwards in, in a manner that, that, that still aligns at, at, at the level, you know, category manager to, to plant manager or manufacturing director level, as well as CPO, CFO, COO, it's, um, it often misses that. That's where it so often falls down. It's not just one example. I can think of at least two throughout my career where there's just been so much misalignment that it was almost set up to fail from the beginning. So yeah, I can, I can really buy into what you're trying to do there. Final point, Kelly, I've kept you for long enough and I know you're a very busy person. So if anyone would like to learn more about what you're up to or connect with you, uh, where is the best place that we can send them?
1: Definitely LinkedIn. I will say I have creator mode turned on, which suggests that people follow rather than connect. I would say I'm not worried about it. Don't worry about it from an <laughs> etiquette or, or an outreach standpoint. Um, what I would ask is, if you check out my profile on LinkedIn and connect with me, drop me a note so that I know this is where you found me and let me know what you're interested in. But don't worry about that distant following thing. Go ahead and send me a connection request. I would love to have conversations and, and add people to my network.
0: Kelly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. Always great to talk to you. And yeah, good luck with AOP and your future direction because... uh, I really think you're onto something.
1: It was my pleasure, James. Thank you so much for having me. So
0: that was Kelly, an industry stalwart and sage of knowledge with her tips today. Thanks again for being a great guest, Kelly. Just a quick one before we sign off. If you're looking for the right procurement tech solution and you have no idea where to start and you don't have an expensive corporate subscription to one of the research houses, then do check out procurement software site. We are a procurement directory of over 300 solutions that you can filter and pick based on your individual needs and requirements to get a shortlist that manages your criteria completely free of charge. Thank you again for listening. There are lots of podcasts out there. Kelly hosts a few of them. They're They're all really good. So we appreciate you listening to us today. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening and bye for now.